thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. So we're going to continue this morning in our series that we're talking about, our start series. And the idea of this is really to help us connect in a new year with the idea that we are all called to be God's servants. That's a theme we have for our church this year, that we would be servants, that we would really be Jesus' hands and feet in the world around us. What we do here this morning is important. Worshiping God is something we're called to do, but what are we doing with the rest of our week? How are we serving God in the rest of our lives? And it's an interesting paradigm for us to observe in our world today. And it's not a new one by any means, but something we should take note of. Whatever you pursue will become the very center of you. It'll become the very center of your existence. It really will. That thing or those things will become the most important things to you. And you may think, well, that's, that's easy. That makes sense. But if you look at the world around us, we see this time and time again. Of course, you see it in athletes and entrepreneurs and you know, musicians, artists, people like that. They become obsessed with something. It, it just drives them and they, they want to reach new heights. They do incredible things. And sometimes they're amazing and wonderful things. Sometimes they're not. But we see this in our world, in our everyday lives as well. There's sometimes good things we can become completely enamored with. They just draw us in. They captivate us. And sometimes they're not good things. And they hurt us. But when you think about this idea of pursuing something, pursuing something, and even something good, as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, think about that. We should think about what he's done in the pursuit of a biblical understanding that all people are created with value in God's image. And they are to be known and to be loved and to be treasured. And God wants to reconcile himself to them, just as he has done with us. If you're a believer, he wants us to be a part of that, that we would draw people in, that they would know him. God makes us, he uniquely equips us, he provides us with potentials beyond what even we recognize to be a part of that ministry. That's certainly a part of our nation and what we've known, that we are endowed, we're given unique opportunities to be God's people and to use the freedom and the things that we've been given to bless others. It's important. It's good for us to pursue some things, the most important things, with absolute abandon. Think of people in the history of the church, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, John Calvin, the fathers of the Reformation, Martin Luther, Billy Graham. People who knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had called them and and that they were going to follow that call. They came from unique and very different backgrounds, but when God gave them, they, they pursued that with great abandon. And look how God used them to become great servants of his kingdom. So as we have this start series, this servant development that we're going to work on, I want to start today with a part of a prayer that Dr. Martin Luther King prayed. God grant that we wage the struggle we have in our time with dignity and discipline. Two words missing from our world today. Really. May all who suffer oppression in this world, and I think by this he means all kinds of oppression, spiritual and how that trickles down into the world we know. All those who suffer oppression in this world, would they reject the self-defeating method of retaliation, retaliatory violence and choose the method 
that seeks to redeem. Instead of doing the instant gratifying thing, taking the longer and the harder path that starts in God for redemption. This week we're going to talk about the importance of prayer, particularly how prayer is a foundational part of our heart having the right attitude towards God and towards others. And as we move through this series in the next few weeks, we're going to look at some aspects of the Christian life and how knowing and living for Jesus should change us. We're also going to look at some of the roadblocks and the things that prevent us from belonging to God the way we ought to. So this week we're going to look at prayer, we're going to understand it and what prayer really means and what God's Word tells us about it to some extent. And next week we're going to look at one of the things that really kind of prevents us, all of us, regardless of who we are, we're unique, we're different, we understand that, but this one aspect of all of us being broken by sin and how that one thing prevents us often trips us up as we draw nearer to God. So this week, we're going to look at this idea of prayer. How do we want to start doing things differently? Because Jesus promises us that when we belong to him, he's going to completely transform us. It begins on a heart level. He wants to change us. But what does that look like? How do we do this? We're going to look here in a minute. Matthew 6, reminds us that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. Part of this series we want you to know is how you do that. How do you seek first the kingdom of God? What's it look like? to have the right desires, the right heart, the right attitudes, to follow God where he is taking you. How do you even figure out what that is? Prayer is a big part of that. So we're going to look here in Matthew's gospel, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end actually, where God's addressing these things, anxiety. He's addressing the Lord's Prayer, which I know Mark preached on earlier this year, or just the end of last year. It's a great thing. So we've We all know the Lord's Prayer. He tells us in this passage not to worry, not to deflect, not that there isn't right and wrong, but don't judge other people to make yourself feel better. He talks about all these things that we know in the Christian life, and he describes the things that plague us in our world and our lives where we lack spiritual discipline, where we lack personal dignity with each other. So we're going to take a look here in Matthew's Gospel, and we're going to understand as people who struggle to know what's true and what's right and wrong. We talked about that last week, knowing the truth. And worse yet, we don't just struggle to know it, we then struggle, even if we find it sometimes, we struggle as sinful people to do it. Where do we start? When we get so wrapped up on ourselves, where do we start to be Christ's servants? Nowhere do we see this struggle more apparent, more on display in our lives than how we pray. Man, our prayers become windows into our souls. How we pray, what we pray for, even if we pray. Our prayers reveal a whole lot about the struggle that's going on inside of us. But Jesus has something to say to us here about this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And we want you to follow along in God's word. And we believe this is God's word. It has all we need for our lives in it. If you want to follow along, there are Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. You can turn to page 860. We want you to read your own copy of God's word. If you don't have one, take one of those. If you have someone, a friend, someone at work, someone you know who needs a Bible, feel free to take that and give it to them. And walk and talk through it with them. We want people to have and to know God's word. So let's open up here to Matthew chapter 7. Starting here in verse 7. You can follow along on the screen or in your bulletins or in God's word. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asked asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil, note that's us, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same thing for them. For this is the law and the prophets. It's God's word. Wow. That's a powerful command for us. Because there are commands right there in that passage. What does your prayer life reveal about you and Jesus? About your relationship? Is it consistent? Are you guys going steady? What do you ask God for? Do you listen when God speaks in prayer? When he speaks through his word, that truth we talked about last week? Or do you tend in all of your frustration or fear to do all the talking? What do you say to the Lord? What does that reveal to you? Take a moment, think about a recent prayer. Maybe the circumstances, what was going on? First of all, I want to encourage you that if you're praying, you're doing something great. I was reading an article not long ago by Dr. John Piper, who hero of mine in the church, and he was writing about this idea of prayer. And he said, you know, the problem we have today is that most of the church really doesn't pray. That we, we don't take time to pray. We don't do it. We don't make it a regular part of our lives. We only pray when crisis hits. And maybe if that's what you're thinking about is, man, I, last time I really prayed to God, it was in the midst of just, it was this horribly difficult time. And that's okay. That's okay. But one of the hallmarks of us growing in our faith is that we're going to God in prayer. That's what he commands of us. Like we talked about just earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things, they'll, they'll be provided. You'll get them. But you've got to start with things in your heart being in the right order. Often I think we tend to get stuck praying only when things are going so wrong because it's not that we don't mean to do it. We just get so caught up in the immediate stuff. I think that's what often happens to us. But... Let's think about this, our foundational idea today. Whatever you pursue will become the center of your existence. So whatever we pray for should shed some light on the things that we pursue. Even if you think about it when we pray or when we don't, however you want to think about it, may reveal some clues for us about our lives and our hearts and our priorities. There was a dad one time, and he was praying with his daughter before a meal. She's about six or seven years old, starting to figure things out. And they sat at the table, and the dad, unfortunately, made a habit of halfway joking, halfway not, about sometimes the stuff they ate for dinner. It wasn't a very nice thing to do, but he would halfway joke about it, and they would pray, and he'd thank God for the, the food and for all the things, and he would continue to pray, and he would make sure that his kids there, that they sat, and they 
folded their hands and they prayed along and they all prayed together. And one, one night his daughter looked at him and said, Dad, I have a question about prayer. He put on his very official dad hat and he said, yes, dear. He said, does God hear everything that we pray? He said, well, yes. Yes, he hears everything we pray. He was feeling really good that she was taking an interest in this kind of stuff. And that's why we make it such an important thing. We do it every night here at the table. We pray before you go to bed. God hears everything that we pray. The little girl thought a little more and she said, does he hear everything we say? Even when we're not praying? I said, yes. Yes, dear. And he was getting really excited now. Yes, he hears everything we say and we do. God, he, he even knows our thoughts. And even, but we, we pray and we take those things to him. We're, we're just reaching out to him, showing him what matters and what's important. She sat there and she planted her food a little longer. And she said, so he hears what we pray. He hears what we say and even what we think and what's going on, how does he know which ones to believe? Wow. Is there consistency in our lives as to how, when, and why we pray? What we seek, what we treasure, what matters? The hard attitude our prayers reveal will show a lot about our actions, about our thoughts, the very depths of our being. And God here, he's commanding us to pray lovingly. He's telling us that we should pray and pray some more and sometimes even pray some more. That's what he's telling us. And he gives us three verbs here. He tells us that we're supposed to ask and we're supposed to seek and we're supposed to knock. Christians, we think automatically of Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Maybe if you're a little kid, you sang a song about that. I remember I used to sing a song about that in, in church. And we love to think about that in terms of receiving salvation, that Christ has come and saved us. And that's totally true, and that's wonderful and amazing, and that's incredible. But sometimes I think we stop right there. That's the extent of which we go with it. But what about the hard things? The great things that people in our world are praying about right now, the things we don't understand that are going on in the world around us. What about the unknown things in our own lives? The things that maybe people right here around you don't know that are going on that you're hurting about. What do we see in our prayer lives? First of all, we see that prayer... It relates to difficult and painful situations. Oftentimes, that's when we pray the most. And next, we want to see here that prayer is not about God hearing us in some way that he's not hearing us. It's about one word. It's about pursuit. Prayer is about us seeking after God. Not because God doesn't aware, not because God doesn't care, but God wants us to seek after him. There's a sense in which in our Christian lives we are called, and this passage certainly tells us we're called, to persistence in seeking after God. To seek His heart, to seek to understand Him, to seek that He will intervene, that He will reveal Himself. This idea of pursuit. 
truly pursuing God should be readily apparent. It should be easy to find in our lives, no matter the circumstances. Especially we pray to God when they're hard, but what about when they're not? One of the hallmarks of being a servant of Jesus is that we start pursuing Him. He's our Savior and He deserves it because of who He is, because of what He's done and what He provides for us. And He's at work even when we can't see, even when we say and do the wrong things, when we don't understand. He's at work. But are we pursuing Him? Our responsibility is to pursue God in all aspects of our lives. Look here what David commands of his son Solomon. He says, Solomon, my son, know the Lord, know the God of your father, he says here, and serve him wholeheartedly. I almost started doing the wrong translation there. You see that? Serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. Notice that word, willing. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intention of every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, He'll reject you forever. Now, this isn't saying it's all up to you. What God's saying is if you have a heart for him, you're seeking after him. And if he, has, if he knows you, he's seeking after you. He's going to grab on you. He's going to hold on to you. If you know him, you should pursue him. And he's going to pursue you. And prayer is an important part of that conversation. But as I said, it's not just pursuit. It's the word that goes with it is Persistence. If you look at the parallel passage to this one in Matthew, it's in Luke 11. There's a little more of the story. Remember, Luke writes later, and he's picking up all the details and adding them in. And there's a story of a guy that leads off in this passage where Jesus tells a little parable. This guy, he, he has folks show up to stay with him, and you know, hospitality is very important in that culture. There's not enough food. So he goes and starts banging on his neighbor's door. I need some bread. All these people showed up. I wasn't ready. Do you have any pizza rolls I can borrow? Okay, that's not a direct translation, but you get it. Hopefully it was better than that. Maybe he had something better. I don't know, like um, a, a beef roast or something delicious. I don't know, something. Hey, do you have, I got all these people just showed up. And he's, it's late at night, it's midnight. He's banging on the door. He's banging on the door. I, I, hey, and finally his friend comes to the door. He's like, hey, what's, neighbor comes and what do you need? What's going on? And he explains the situation. His neighbor says, of course. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. Think about that. We can come to God no matter what time it is. We can persistently, deeply, fervently, consistently pray to Him. He's going to hear us. We love the passage, pray to God without ceasing, but we never think about how that works out in our lives. A persistent prayer life is someone who comes to God without ceasing, yes, but it also comes in an ever-deepening level of prayer. That's those three words we talked about. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, ask is the simplest level of prayer. It's the most basic one. I think it's the one we're the most familiar with. We go to God, and as we talked about last week, we know God's truth, we know God's word. God says, hey, I'm here for these things. I'm here for you. You look at passages like James 1.5, and if you don't have wisdom and Judging from what I see on the TV, none of us do in the world today. We should seek God. And he says, I'll, I'll give it to you. Sounds good. How many of us actually stop and do that, though? 
When I'm in traffic and someone cuts me off, I don't say, dear Lord, give me wisdom in this moment. For a split second, a vision of Mad Max flashes in my head. And I look around and realize there are too many witnesses to do what just flashed into my head. That's a good thing. That's a joke, by the way, if anybody listens to this. I'm not like homicidal on the highways, but you get the idea. If you tell me that's never occurred to you, you're lying to me. But think about that. God says, ask and I'm going to give it to you. That's what this passage says as well. What do you ask God to give you? Maybe you do this. What do you ask God to give you? What does that reveal about when you think you need to pray to God and whether it's for all the things in your life, is it just for, is it just the emergencies? Is God that thing behind the glass that you hit with the hammer when you have to hit the alarm? But deeper, this idea, seek depth, length of commitments. Seek, God says, seek and you'll find. He says, though, seeking me, there's an idea here that this is a longer thing. This is a process. There's an element of time, a series of actions, deeper commitment, more resolve. I'm going to seek after some. This is just, have you ever looked for something, a present for Christmas or something? You can't find it, so you go a bunch of places. You flip over, every, you turn everywhere. You lose your keys. You lose you know, your glasses, your wallet, whatever it is, a you know, debit card. You go, you start looking everywhere for it. Seek a prayer that takes into account that something significant is going on, that you, maybe you want insight, you want to understand something, you're really, you're really going after it. A big decision's coming up. God, I need you for this. I don't know. There's test results and you don't know what they mean at the doctor and you have to go in. The boss wants to meet with you. He's been acting a little weird. Whatever it is. That doesn't apply for the people that work here. The boss is always acting weird here. That's different. As the dad and the little girl talked about earlier, though, when we start to seek, these are the moments where I think God really starts to get a hold of us. Our attention, our antenna are up. We're, we're really serious at this point. But look again. God says again, seek and you'll find. So we pray earnestly and we wait. We want to find it. Deeper still, though, knock. Knock and it says it will be opened. The door will open. Now, just as I said earlier in the parallel passage in, in Luke 11, in your own life, do you knock on somebody's door once? Have you ever had somebody that knocked once and you thought you heard something, but you're like, maybe it's a bird running into the window or one of those kinds of things? Now, where I live, it's tree limbs falling on my house all the time, which is like traumatic in its own right. But you hear like, knock. My favorite game is when I hear a thud hit the door and I realize it's the Amazon guy frisbeeing something off my door. You ever have that happen? And somehow they have a picture of it on your door, but they don't even go to your door. I don't know how they do that. It scares me. They're like a drone. Like, I don't know how they do it. But thud. And I'm like, what? In our house, they have them the other day, and Hannah's like, Amazon. Just knew, boom, hit the door. I'm like, okay. There we go. But when you knock on somebody's door, what do you do? You knock, and you keep knocking. You do that. You keep knocking. There's increasing boldness. There's increasing commitment. And probably that's because there's increasing 
difficulty or resistance as we pray. Often in our lives, this will happen when, if we're seeking God, this is all predicated on our hearts being right. This isn't, dear Lord, please let me win the lottery. That's not what we're talking about. I think you all know that. But we're saying, God, this is what you're telling me, but I see all this. So you keep that knocking. You keep that prayer. Now, in my many years when I was a youth pastor, my students would show up at my house at all hours. And the ones that really knew us, and to this day, do not knock on the door. They simply walk in. And when someone knocks, the rest of them go, who is that? I've literally come home to my home here even older, and some of them have shown up, and they're like, we knew you were coming. I mean, we knew they were coming generally, but they're just hanging out. They're on the couch talking to the dog. We pet them. I'm like, all right, glad you're here. It's okay. We're used to it. But even those students that knew us well enough, if it's midnight or 3 a.m., they'd call us or text us. And if we didn't answer, if they needed us, if it was something, they would just beat on the door because they knew what would happen. What would happen if they kept knocking on the door? I would come down and I would answer the door. Mandy would come down, she'd answer the door. Why? Because we love them. Let's bring this back around. We know what we pursue will become the center of our lives and that what becomes the center of our lives, if it's good or if it's bad, it'll affect us, it'll affect other people around us, particularly those right around us. We know that God is commanding us, he's lovingly telling us to pray and to seek after him. And even as life is difficult in a broken, sinful world, that's going to increase, that's going to ratchet up, that's going to continue to grow. We see this idea, though, prayer is the key to pursuit. That's what I think God's teaching us here. And the idea here of pursuit is not about getting something. It's about getting to someone. And of course, that someone is God. We're here to pursue God. That's what prayer is about. It's not just getting what we have or what we think we should have, but what we need. Even sometimes it's seeking after the someone, the God, because we don't even know what we need. We don't even know what we need. And as you look here at verses 9 through 12 in this passage, this is what Jesus says. Who among you, if your kid asks you for something good, is going to give him something bad? If he wants bread, he's going to get a stone or fish, and he's going to give him a snake. Anybody see that snake that got fried in the oven with the people's pizza in the news? Yuck. Yeah. Nobody wants a snake pizza, right? It sounds silly, but think about that. If you go to God and say, God, I want you to just um, use me and guide me, and God says, no way. God's not going to do that. That's not how God operates. That's not who we know him to be. But this idea here of prayer, prayer changes every relationship with others around us, with us as ourselves, as we look into our own hearts and examine our own lives, Prayer, though, causes us in all of those things to pursue God. And as we seek God, it sheds light on who we are. God's truth that we talked about last week, as we seek to serve Him, it shows us who we are, how our relationships are, 
and really what our lives are about. That's what happens as we pray. And as we come to God, as we know Him, as we know that He loves us, that He sent Christ to die for us, that we have this relationship, we're part of His family, He's our Heavenly Father. There's a sense in which He grabs a hold of us and He changes our lives. And it's important to make a distinction here between a Heavenly Father and an earthly parent. I don't know all of your life's stories. I know a lot of you guys and our folks that even aren't here today. I know, I know, a lot of you, I know our church's stories, a lot of them. I've, I've spent some time and you guys have shared and I, I know a little bit, but I don't know everything. But I do know that God is not like earthly parents who maybe did some awful things. Who when you did everything right, they did everything wrong. Who hurt and took and, and maybe caused you pain. What God's saying here is he's not like that. He's talking about the way it's supposed to be. But even for those of us who have tried to be good parents or grandparents or, you know, family, friends, whatever, aunts and uncles, whatever you are in somebody's life, think about that. If you had a great parent, you know what I mean. Even if you were a good parent, did you still say and do some really bad things? Even the best earthly parents, we say and do some things that hurt our kids. But we still, we want to do, we want to say, we want to give what's best. And we try to do that. And God's saying as much, Jesus says, as much as you think you're doing that, how much more is God going to do that? And as he does that, as we learn more of who he is, that can heal us. Whether you had a great earthly parent or a terrible one, it doesn't matter. But having a heavenly father who understands you, that can change your life. It can provide us with direction when we don't have it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 here, the Lord, you know, this prayer, may the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and to Christ's endurance. And sometimes when we pray, when we seek God, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we keep praying, and we pray with more earnestness and more intensity, and sometimes that's the hardest thing for us is just waiting on God. But as we do this, as we draw into God, we find that he strengthens us, he heals us, and he begins to change us to be a little more like him. It's not always easy to do. But we know that the Lord, he loves us, and he's going to give us what's best. And the importance of being a servant is that we pray. Because praying is both trusting God and listening. Yes, we share with God. That's part of any relationship. But we listen to God and we invite him to draw us deeper into his plans, into what he desires. And we know as we learn to trust God and to know him and to be drawn deeper, as we pray fervently, as we continue to receive what God has for us, he's going to use us in some ways to transform others. Whoops, hit the wrong button there, guys. That's the end of that verse. He says, hey, and as you're praying, and as you're drawn in, as you're being transformed, as you're becoming more my people, he says, hey, don't forget, Jesus, he doesn't just tack this on at the end, he says, remember how you live and what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to love and to care for others. You're supposed to do what's right. 
as we pray and seek what's good, as perhaps we even knock on God's door over and over for those things, remember that God is shaping us. And that prayer, that reliance on God, that seeking, that pursuit of Him should change how we love, how we share, and how we care for others around us. Because God says, as we pray and as we belong to Him, it says all the other stuff in God's Word, all the law and the prophets, it hinges on this, that you would pursue me, that I would use you to love and to care for others. If you need prayer today, if something's going on in your life, feel free to stay after the service, and I'll be up here. Some of our elders may be up here, and we'll pray with you. Whatever you're seeking in your life, whatever you're waiting on, whatever is hurting, maybe you haven't shared it with anyone here, part of belonging to God and being a servant is that you seek Him and you pray, and sometimes that means you're going to pray fervently, and you're going to wait, and you're going to trust in God. But pursuit of God is what shapes us and makes us more of his servants. Let's pray. God, as we have heard today that we would know that you do hear us. You promise in your word you do hear us and that when we seek you, we will find you. And when we ask you for the things that you know are best for us, that you're going to give us what we need and what is best for our lives. So God, I pray that you would in every way, in every moment of our lives, have your way with us, that we would come to you, that we would seek you, that we would surrender to you and belong to you. Lord, that we would pursue you, that we wouldn't just come to tell you what it is, but that we would ask you, God, to reveal, even as we're going to see next week from your word, that we would put aside the things that prevent us from that. God, draw us in. Make us people of prayer. Then every moment we would seek to know how we can love you, how we can trust you, how we can belong to you, and how we can love and serve and care for others, resting in the fact that you will answer the door and that you will call us in, that you will wrap your arms around us because you are a Heavenly Father who loves us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.